welcome to the personal podcast where we get to meet the real personality behind the professional. I am absolutely delighted to be sitting here with Sam Spurs today, who is founder and managing director of Talent Heads. So, Sam, I'll just remind you of the four rules. No direct business chat, Mm -hmm. no small talk, honest answers only, and I'm happy for you to flip any questions back to me. Mm. So as small talk is banned, I'll get straight into it. What has been the biggest plot twist in your life so far? Gosh, we're going in hard. So the biggest plot twist in my life actually was probably 2018 um, when... Actually, my whole life changed. Um, So I decided that I was going to leave my corporate career, which was lovely. And I had a fantastic job with great benefits, worked with brilliant people. Everything was really good. But I decided I had an itch that I needed to scratch and I wanted to go and set up my own business. But at the same time, my marriage was also failing and everything kind of came to a head at once. Um, I have small children. um, And actually, what, what basically happened is I handed my notice in, Something happened within my marriage, everything ended and literally I went into the world with no job, two small children that needed to be rehoused. I had to set my life all over again and my marriage dissolved. And that was the biggest plot twist. It was kind of like, what What am I going to do? What's the next steps? How do I move forward? And yeah, I'm still here. So everything went to plan, everything went well, but that was absolutely a time in my life when I was just like, that wasn't expected. Everything was good and then it wasn't good but we move on. Wow. And you're clearly absolutely thriving today. But, you know, you mentioned what was the, what do you do? Where do you go? Mm-hmm. What were your first steps? My first steps were, do I backtrack on there? When, when something happens like that, when you're not expecting it to happen, especially happen in so many different areas of your life at the same time, you're kind of like, it's so much easier if you just step back into what was comfortable. So my first thoughts were, Right, I'll retract my notice. My boss, my chief executive at the time of this brilliant business that I worked in was like, I know what's going on. Let me help you come back into the business. So there was an opportunity for me to do that. And also, as my marriage was failing, it was kind of like, do I step back and try and kind of save that? And do I just try and get back into the comfort zone and keep everything nice and stable and just kind of just say as a little bit of a blip? Um, But I don't believe in that I decided that actually everything happens for a reason it's easy to say that now <laughs> but I decided no my heart was definitely not in working in a corporate career anymore I'd done that I'd given them everything I possibly could I needed to move on I had things that I wanted to achieve myself um, and also from a marriage perspective I was kind of like no this is done and I need to look forward and even though it's going to be really painful I need to move these children on and help them move on so actually it's going to be sticky. It's going to be rough. It's going to be awful. But actually, I need to do this and I need to move on. So it was kind of a couple of weeks of a lot of tears. But actually, I kind of the decisions were made and I kind of pushed forward. Wow, so brave. Because <laughs> like you say, it would have been an easier option to go back to one of those two or even both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know, the, the feedback my friends and, you know, people who were around me at the time were kind of like, this can be solved quite quickly. This can be easily fixed. And I was like, do I really want to fix those though? Is this not going to be an opportunity when I look back in years to come and think, actually, even though it was painful, there's something else there on both sides that I need to be able to achieve. So yeah, I, I I did it. Wow. <laughs> and and so what did you do? Like first, did you find a house? Did you get a job? Um, I continued my idea of setting up my own business. Mm-hmm. So that continued in the background. So that was always happening. I, I did my three month notice period being really unhappy and uh, not with the job. I absolutely loved the job um, with massive focus that I was going to do something for myself. But um, I, I held my head up high and I did what I needed to do for that business that I was leaving. And the plans came to fruition with setting up a new business. Um it was kind of focusing at that time on the children and making sure that myself and my my husband could get to a, a situation where we could look after our kids and move the kids forward. Um, so absolutely new house, absolutely lots of conversations with the kids and just trying to not expect them to understand, but just show them that actually this was going to be a bit of a different world that they were going to live in and kind of working to try and... Um, give them something positive to look forward to and put a bit of a different slant on it so it felt like a bit more of an exciting thing that was happening in their little lives so it was keep keep going ahead and kind of trying to sort out what was most important which was the family part 
Wow. Yeah, just so much respect because I can imagine there would have been times when you found it very difficult mentally, but when you've got children, you have to put that rosy outlook on things. Absolutely. And you have to kind of go into practical mode. You can't sit and waller. You can do that at the appropriate time. And I think as a human being, you have to get that out. You Mm -hmm. have to almost mourn the loss of certain things. Um, But when it comes to the children, I think that's probably one of my... That's probably one of my things I'm quite good at. I can get really into the practical of, right, right, what's the next steps? What do we need to do? How do we make sure that these children have everything that they need so that they're looked after first and foremost? Um, The Bridget Jones moments, the bits behind the scenes can be done by yourself. But I think that practical moment, kids help you get through it because you have to look after them. You have to look for um, what's, what's good for them. Absolutely. And and how long was it before you met your now partner? <laughs> I, I, not very long. So I met Paul um, on the internet. That's the usual place now that people yeah, meet people. But I met Paul quite quickly. Within a year, I met Paul. Um, and it was like a breath of fresh air meeting Paul. Um, he is completely the opposite to what I thought that my kind of soulmate would look like um, in regards to personality and focus. We are yin and yang. And I remember the first time I met him, I interviewed him, almost interviewed him because that's what you have to do. He had an hour slot. That one hour slot was extremely useful. I managed to check out all his credentials, (laughs) make sure that he was... (laughs) What sort of interview questions did you ask him? I'd imagine they're quite brutal like these ones. (laughs) Yeah, very honest ones. So what was the reasons why his previous relationship had broken up and all of that sort of stuff. I had to check all those things out because actually... Finding a partner when you've got children is extremely, it's not just you anymore, it's especially, you know, two little girls, both the girls were under, they were under eight when this was all happening. So for me, bringing someone potentially into their lives, that's not yeah, something you can, yeah, you can't mm. just kind of go, oh, this might work. Yeah, you can be a little bit more reckless when it's just you. Yes, absolutely. Mm. But with children, all you can think about is how will my children react? What can this person bring to their lives? Mm. It's a very different conversation to yeah. meet someone in a pub and... I don't know, see what happens. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really interesting. I, I haven't had to think about it and I hope I won't, but you yes. never know. But it's, it's just interesting to hear from your perspective then. It's not just about you. It's asking Mm-mm. questions almost on behalf of your children. Yes, absolutely. And Paul had children as well. Yes. So you kind of formed a, a blended family. Maybe, yes. oh, how do you feel about that term blended? I, do you know, I, I'm not, I'm not um, at all bothered about the term I think Mm. that's pretty much what it is and and I do think as well as Paul's two children my two children uh, there's a network of other people that come with that Mm. Covid is a perfect example when we had bubbles obviously we had bubbles of our house mine and Paul's house the boys house and the girls dad's house right so we had three bubbles so it's not just two children coming in from different households it's the people who come with those children as well Mm -hmm. It's it's complex, but it's not unusual nowadays. It's not at all. In fact, I'd say it's almost more common. Mm-hmm. Um, just seem it's it's normal, really. Mm-hmm. But how how do the dynamics work with that? Like, did you? Because I guess it's kind of like like if we use a workplace as an example, it's different cultures, isn't there? In different yes. families. Yes. And how do you bring the two together? Are there any uh, kind of problems? Um, I think the problems show that it works. Okay. I, when when the children bicker and argue like proper siblings, then I know that oh, it's working. Good point. Yeah. So for me, if I can hear the two eldest, the eldest boy and the eldest girl arguing upstairs, which happens regularly, I say to Paul, this is it, they're proper siblings. Oh, perfect, yeah. So for me, it wouldn't work if we just sat in silos um, and we just kind of cracked on. Um, very early on, Paul and I made the decision that we wanted to bring the children up together. So um, our previous partners are really supportive in making sure that the majority of the time when we have the kids, we can have them together. So it means that we have like things like you know table manners. We all talk about the same table manners. We talk mm-hmm. about our values together. There's certain things that our house, as a house of six and two dogs, that that's how our house behaves. Um, and yes, they are different when they go to other houses, but actually when we all come back together, they're just what brings us together and that's what's expected and we all agree that that's the way that we behave when we're in those ho- in that house together. Oh, I love that. And so I take it whenever they go to, say, their father's house, 
different sets of rules that they'll follow. Yes, and, yes yeah. absolutely. And expected, really. I think people bring up children in different ways. And I think Paul and I are, are massively on the same level when it comes to just things like um, respect for each other, um, like not jumping on sofas, you know, just things mm-hmm. that are just general things. And yeah, very early on, we made we had those conversations with the kids around the fact that we work hard, we want to take them places, experiences are super important to us in our household. Yeah, same. So it's all it's all about good quality stuff. And yeah, we might probably be a little bit stricter than maybe some of the other houses. Um, but that's just because when we go to a nice restaurant, we want to be able to appreciate that nice restaurant. And it takes us, we don't ever want our children to feel like they're out of place and we're, we're preparing them for some of the experiences that we want to give them. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a funny one, but it works. It works yeah. for us. Oh, lovely. And did you have any values that you and Paul that kind of conflicted when it came to raising children? Uh, I think probably because and I think this is maybe a bit of a stereotype, but I'm going to be really honest because that's the whole point of this. Absolutely, thank you. <laughs> I think Paul came with two boys and I came with two girls and the stereotypes associated with those are a little bit more difficult. So the boys are quite boisterous. They like to play fight. They like to they like to shout at each other. They're, they're constantly digging each other all of the time. And, and that for Paul was just life. And then I bring these girls who are a little bit more like to read books and they like to write stories. And again, these are stereotypes, but our girls do and our boys generally fit into those stereotypes, mm-hmm. unfortunately. There's, no, there's fortunately, nothing wrong with that. Real, yeah. isn't it? Um, so I think when Paul came, he was like, oh, they're just lads. Just let them crack on. And I'm like, ah, but they're running all over everything and knocking stuff over and jumping on the sofas and all that sort of stuff. And I think that was kind of, it did take a little bit of time for us to kind of try and even that out and just, yeah kind of get to a place where we were both comfortable that we weren't killjoys and spoiling the fun but we also were kind of giving them some kind of route to respect and things and value and things and stuff. Absolutely and were there any conflicts between the children early on? No actually we're really really lucky because the girls are a little bit older than the boys so our children age our age ranges between 8 and 15 so actually what Maddie who's the 15 year old does compared to what Matthew the 8 year old does they're, they're very different so they don't have to share toys mm-hmm. you know they don't have we've got some similar um, hobbies that we enjoy we've got some similar interests as a family but really we didn't step into each other's territory where they felt like they had to protect something so we were quite lucky about the age ranges and the fact that they are a mixture between boys and girls as well that definitely helped oh, yeah definitely that sounds good and how do you balance making sure that all the children feel included and loved at all times I and mean, it's hard enough that when you've just got two that are fully your own for that yeah. sometimes yeah I, I think we, we try again I suppose it is about making sure that they all feel like they all live in our house so even though the boys stay with their their mother a little bit more and the girls stay with me a little bit more than their dad we do try and make it where everyone lives in our house so the boys don't bring suitcases so they're not staying overnight at dad's house do you know we, we were really conscious about that like they've got their own rooms when they come to our house they've got their own drawers full of clothes they've got their own toys they might bring one or two things from mum's house but actually when they step in it, it belongs to them the decisions we make we just bought a new house that was with all four children having a vote our holidays we vote all all six oh, of us vote. we put three choices together and then we go what do you think and then we all we all select and then whoever gets the majority vote that's where we go on holiday so i suppose it's about everyone just getting a good fair say um and and that does that is genuinely something that's happened that's like, lovely very early on I love the voting for holidays and suggesting. Yes, it's a brilliant, it's a, it's a great experience for them because they actually get to see how we think. Mm-hmm. And because when the six of you, you spend a lot of money even just going out for a meal, yes. never mind going on holiday. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a big investment. So dragging them somewhere where they're all going to be bored and mourning and wishing they weren't there is not very useful for us yeah for a number of different reasons oh definitely and just there about kind of the, the money and things things cost a lot these days don't they, they do, they do. Yeah. How, how are you making sure they understand the value of money i know there's different age range but certainly for yeah. the older ones uh, 
we, do you know, I think that's probably something to do with my upbringing. Like I was brought up with very, I was, a, it, my, my mom was a single mother when she brought me up. She worked three jobs to try and get through. So we never really had any money at all. So I think the girls, since the day they were born, bless them, they've always, I've always talked to them about the value of money and that things come with money implications. The girls are good with it. Definitely the el- the eldest daughter rather than the younger daughter. She she can home bargains. If home bargains anywhere in sight, she could, like a five, I can go like that. <laughs> but those two girls have been brought up really like knowing that actually we've got a nice house because we work hard and all of those sorts of things. The boys, yeah, I, uh, I suppose I'm probably, Paul's an accountant, so if he can't teach them about money, oh my goodness, something's going wrong there. <laughs> yeah. But he's a little bit more practical with the money. Like it's quite black and white around how we're right. spending things. I suppose the emotional connection of if we go to Disneyland as a family of six, it will cost a lot of money. I think that's probably my job. I think I'm probably the one that kind of does a bit of the education around actually do. I would never tell them actually how much it costs because mm-hmm. it doesn't probably mean anything no. in their heads. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do think they understand what a, a big investment financially is for our family yeah. and what we have to do to be able to get it to that point to mm-hmm. get them there. Definitely. Because you, you don't want to give them that burden, do you? At the same time, you want to make sure they understand. Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's like school when we talk about teaching children math skills but actually there's there's probably a, a bit there from a responsibility perspective where we've also got to teach them how to get a mortgage how to pay their bills the practical side as well because they're life skills that they're gonna need and as a parent you're always looking for the life skills aren't you you're like what can I give them as early on as possible so this is not a shock when they're going to the big bad world themselves totally and budgeting you know even yes. simple things we started a little piggy bank for yes. for Cameron but she keeps just asking for it all out and to go and spend it on pens or anything that she's seen <laughs> yes. and, it's just, and then I'm yes. thinking is this too early but then she's just really wanting to to get out yeah. there and go shopping so yeah and it's a, the emotional ties mm. with money as well which I think is important because I, I get where your husband's coming from and sorry is it husband or partner yeah husband husband sorry husband um it's it can be quite black and white if you're an accountant but yes. there's so many emotional yes. attachments absolutely you know, how do you get that balance right when you're bringing up children yeah I don't know I think with everything else with children you just try your hardest don't you <laughs> yeah totally there's, there's no manual is there's there? not a manual that was so much easier after came with a manual oh it would but you know <laughs> being entrepreneurs we probably just ignore it <laughs> Is there anything that, you know, again, I, I use that term blended with care because sometimes people don't like labels, mm-hmm. but is there anything that you feel that's misunderstood when people use the term blended family? Um, no, no, I, I, I think there's one probably one thing to mention about being a blended family, if we do use that word, because that doesn't offend me at all, is, is actually the... the people think about the dynamics of how the house might work and one thing I, th- I think people maybe don't think about is how the house work how the house works when they're not there so one of the things for me Charlotte around having a blended family is that you have to share your kids so when you have children you bring them to the world assuming that every Christmas every birthday every milestone you will see because you're their parent and when that doesn't work and you have to share your children because of this blended aspect. I can't, I can't tell you how horrible oh, you're it breaking is. breaking my heart. It's just awful. Honestly, Charlotte, I remember when everything went, when everything happened the way that it did, I dropped the girls off for the first time that they'd stayed with their dad. I dropped them off um, with him. And I drove back to this house that I'd worked super hard with, hard for, for these children and for, for my ex-husband. And I was going to go into this house and it had no soul. There was no children there to share it with. My partner had gone. And I remember just feeling like, oh, my God, the loneliness, is it hurts. And every so what we've done is to try and make sure that everyone gets a fair share and we, we do the right thing for the children is we'll do alternative Christmases, alternative birthdays, and we make sure the children get a good rounded love off of both sides of the family. So Christmas Eve, for example, if you don't have if you don't have them on Christmas Day, you have them on Boxing Day and Christmas Eve. But oh, then that's you, nice. But then you give them back on Christmas Eve. Oh, so yeah. there's been every time that we do this, and I know the reason why we do it, and it's the right reasons we are doing it. But when, when the girl's dad comes and picks the girls up, it's Christmas Eve, they get in the car and drive off, and I'm sitting with a glass of Prosecco. My heart just aches. Oh, mine's aching for you right oh, now. Christmas morning, waking up, no children. Oh. When you've got them... 
it hurts. And you've kind of got to be respectful of that. And there's like the, the girls are on holiday with their dad at the moment. We're getting into the first week. I can feel my heart a little bit like now, can you just kind of have them back now? But I spoke to them last night. They're having a really good time. And you're kind of, you're like, oh, I'm really glad. What's happening? But really, as a human, as a parent, you're thinking, can you just hurry up and come home, please? Because I want to see you. So I don't think anyone really talks about the other side of a blended family. They just talk about the dynamics and how does it work on a day to day. It's the other bits where your house hasn't got a heart anymore and the kids aren't running around and you've got a house with, because there's so many of us, we've got these bedrooms that there's certain parts of the house we don't use when the kids aren't there and it's quite sad. Um, so there's other sides, I suppose, that maybe don't get talked about, but the sharing part, it hurts. Yeah, wow. I, I hadn't even considered that before. I just thought, you know, wow, four kids, like hectic lifestyle, the house must just be frantic. Um, but then it goes so quiet. Yeah, total opposite. So, yeah. And that's in the early days, that is really hard, especially when you're by yourself. So before I'd met Paul, I would go back and I would just be sitting by myself. And there's only so much chili con carne and red wine you can drink by yourself. Eating chili con carne out of a tin. <laughs> Such sad times. I was, honestly, I was like Bridget Jones. You did say Bridget Jones. I was, <laughs> I was, say, I was yeah. absolutely like Bridget Jones. There's only so much time that you can do that when you're just sitting there and you're kind of like, there's there's no noise. There's no, you know, and you, you, as a parent, you're used to, mom, mom, mom. You, you get constantly, mm. they're all looking, what do we do next? What's now? Can I do this? Can I do that? There's none of that anymore. Yeah. And that is actually probably worse. Surely it's nice though for the first half hour at least. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the day that you've had beforehand with them, I suppose. But no, I, I don't think you can kind of get away from the fact yeah. that, especially because it is four of them, it mm. is so, our house is absolutely manic. It is buzzing. It is arguments. It's it's noise levels it's music played from different rooms it's grappling over wi-fi it's all that sort of stuff to absolute silence mm. and you're kind of like okay now i need to focus on who i am now what am i doing now how do i keep myself busy until i come back oh but that focusing on who you are now because since having the children love them to pieces totally wanted them for ages so so happy having them running my business as well any spare moment that i don't have the children I had a little bit of an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. Almost, it came back to when I was trying to think of what's the new purpose, the vision for the business. I was like, mm -hmm. well, who, who even am I? So how do I know what I want? <laughs> yes. So at least maybe you got a little bit of time to figure yeah. out what you want, yeah. which is important, I guess, when you're starting to look for a new partner and mm -hmm. move forward in life. Yeah. It's also really good when you do have a new partner because you do get that time that you can invest in your relationship. Yeah. So we have every other weekend where we don't have children. And I know that other parents don't get that perceived luxury mm -hmm. but I, I do say that it does has a it does have a flip side yeah like everything yeah. and I like how you said perceived luxury mm -hmm. there's a, a meme out there at the minute where it's like waiting for my kids to go to my, my partners for the weekend and really realizing I'm still in a loving relationship so <laughs> they're not going anywhere <laughs> staying here <laughs> yeah I can totally relate to that but at the end of the day you know I'm, I guess you have more balance don't you because you have yeah. you can take turns sometimes yeah um but yeah I'd never thought about that house being empty oh, and yeah, gut-wrenching. It's terrible. I remember parking on the driveway and just looking at the house and just thinking, what's the, what's the point? Like, you know, I, I've worked so hard to get us here and now actually, because the people aren't in it, it's not really worth anything anymore. Mm. Did it ever take you to a dark place? Or? I definitely, I definitely drank too much red wine. I don't, I don't think, I, like I mentioned earlier, I'm really practical. I can kind of get myself out of something by just focusing on the next step. What is the next step? So the next step is I'll go and see my sister. I'll go and see my mom. I'll do something. I have to, I'm very, I kind of like finding solutions to stuff. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I am an overthinker and I'm a wallower. I will sit there and I will overthink things, replay them, wish I'd done something different, beat myself up about them. Definitely all those things. But I definitely know that it's not useful for me. I think age has been really good yes mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just need to move on and also I didn't want the kids to come back and feel like I was falling apart <laughs> there was a couple of times in the very early days when they came back and I might have had a headache or you know and I, and I felt like I need to be when they come through the doors I want to be like hi welcome back this is our home what have you been doing right we're gonna do something now it's kind of I needed to be looking after myself so that I could offer something as almost as a, 
you've got a really good life of dads, but you've really got a good life of mums as well. Oh, it's, interesting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Did you did you really feel that you had to almost offer a better solution or like a business uh, choice can I be more competitive yeah uh, do you know very probably prob- probably if I had more time to think about it I think all houses want your kids to want to be in your house more than the others but I definitely do believe that particularly knowing my girls that they need me and they need their dad and we bring different things their dad's probably more fun. He's a bit more out there. He's like a big brother. He's, oh, you're you know, fun though. I'm a bit more. I'm a little bit more. Um, I'm definitely about the experiences, but I probably do a lot more of the teaching, a lot more of the, you know, longer term planning. Okay. He, he probably does a lot more of the, who cares? Let's just go and do this. Yeah. Whereas I'm kind of like, we'll do this, but it means this and then this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can... They need a bit of both, I yeah. think, to yeah. be able to be all-rounded characters, and that's what we're trying to achieve. Definitely. But it's just interesting because you probably won't sit down with the father and say, right, well, I'm going to be like this. This is my strategy. I'm going to show them these experiences. Well, I'll take this side. And, yeah. so, but it just organically happens. It does. I was, I was with the girl's dad for 15 years. I know him inside out. He knows me inside out. Right. So actually, we both... We both know what we bring to the table for those little girls. So actually, we know how we can counter. And actually, we did bring them up in the early days on very similar wavelengths around what we wanted to achieve and what we wanted to give them. So although we don't sit down and work it out, saying that though, Charlotte, there have been some situations with the kids where we've had to come together, like things at school where, you know, Lily Mae was having a little bit of trouble with a girl group. Um, and straight away, Dave and I, joined forces straight away, got the teachers on a Zoom call and Dave came in from his home and I came in from my home and we talked about what we wanted to do for Lily May. So there's been times where we do absolutely pull Lily May plays um, steel pans. Dave and I sat together with Paul, my new husband. It's just... Oh, that's lovely. You have, yeah, yeah, you have mm. to. You have to do that sort of thing. You're still a team, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. we've still got... We've Well, that's the thing. When you choose to have children with someone... You can't then get rid of that person. <laughs> it's a commitment. You decide to have children with that person for a reason. So there's a reason why Dave needs to be in the children's life and he plays his part and I play my part and Paul plays his part in the girls' lives. And it just, it's not easy, but it works. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, it does. Brilliant. And I kind of know a little bit about the answer to this, but I believe that, you know, every family is different. But what's it like running a rapidly growing business while raising a family, juggling a family? Sorry to interrupt, but just a quick word about our sponsor, Be Daily. I've been subscribing to the Be Daily now since starting my business. It provides relevant and informative information directly to my inbox, not just about the Northeast, but also national news. If you're interested in subscribing, we'll put the link in the description box so you can get the business news directly to your inbox. Now back to the podcast. This is hard because I always genuinely thought that I would be the crazy auntie who danced on tables bought brilliant presents at Christmas. I was a hit with all my nieces. I kind of thought I would be that person. I've always been ambitious. I've always been driven. Always like I like to work. I, it gives yeah. me sense <clears throat> of being and, and yeah. who I am. So I kind of didn't really think that I would be in the situation of juggling both. When I was younger, I just kind of thought I would be ambitious and I'd have my career and I would use my lovely sisters as children. Children-making machines. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Bring them to me and I'll treat them and then I'll pass them back. Um, so actually, I, I do I do struggle like many other parents because the business side is really something that's important to me. But mm. the girls really get it. So a couple of years ago, I asked Lily Mae to draw a family portrait just to keep her busy while I was working, as you do. But the 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 results weren't really to my liking so, <laughs> for lots of different reasons. But she came back and she had a picture and she had smiling faces. The boys were smiling, Paul was smiling, Dad was in the background, all of that sort of stuff. And there was a picture of me with my laptop. And I just thought, what on earth? And were you smiling? Well, I think my head was down because oh. <laughs> I was looking at the laptop, Charlotte. I just had a laptop the covering laptop. your face. <laughs> and I remember just being like, oh, my goodness, really? Is that how my children perceive me? Have I put my business or work above the children? 
So I had a conversation with Lily May about it and I just basically said, you know, if you think that this is the case, it will stop tomorrow. You are my priority. I don't want you to feel like this is who I am. And she was really honest. Kids are, aren't they? She was like, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, ma'am. You always have your laptop. And I was like, okay, do you want it to stop? I will give it all up in a heartbeat for you. And she was like, absolutely not. She was like, I know that you like to work, she said. And I know that the lots of the things that you bring into the family are because you work. And I was like, that's very grown up. How old was she at this point? She was a couple of years ago. So she must have been eight. Wow. Nine. Yeah. She she was like, she, and also I do think that the, the girls would definitely say this if they were sitting here. If I was at home, just at home, our house would be ran like <laughs> like a business. Yeah. I'd have com- mm-hmm. I'd have um, values on the wall. I'd be building a culture. <laughs> Talk about promotion. Yeah. I would be like, yeah. Yeah, I would. I think that they quite like the fact that they know that I'm very headstrong and that I am probably better for them running a business than in the house getting them all to do things for yeah, you know, I think I can relate <laughs> yeah. but it's super hard it's really hard um and you've just got to keep checking in I think and bring I bring the children with me on the journey of talent heads mm. and I think they're quite proud of the business that we're creating together and so yeah 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 oh that's lovely that picture though yeah that oh God, it's stung it's stung yeah do you ever do you still have it on the walls a no, reminder I don't know where, no I don't know where it is burnt no, it was, it's gone <laughs> shredded bird. still in my head though I can still yeah. I, I can see it um oh. horrific that's like a moment when you suddenly go wait a minute what am I doing mm. see my children are so young they can't really communicate that at this stage and I'm very conscious of mobile phones as well just having yeah. those in front of me Chris can be quite bad I have to check him because he'll just have his phone in front of him and yes he could just be reading a newspaper online whereas back in the day I remember sitting and watching my dad read a newspaper that didn't seem anything as wrong with that but yeah he could be doing anything in their eyes you know it's that screen blocking what he's doing it's a barrier between them and him and me often as well so we're just trying to be more aware of that absolutely there's been times as well when I'm sure that I'm not this is very honest, but I'm sure other people feel it as well, that your children will be talking to you and you can see their little mouths move, but you can't actually hear what's coming out because in your head you haven't switched off yet. So you're still processing something to do with work and then the little person's sitting in front of you and they're talking and you're kind of like, yeah, give me a second. I just need to get rid of this before I can focus on you. But it got to the point where with Lily May's little face, I would look at her and I'd be like, you've got more freckles. Like I had to bring myself back into focusing on their features and focusing on them and really taking a second look rather than just fleetingly looking and then getting on to something else. I've really kind of made sure that I can see the changes in them, but it's something you have to... I have to really work at. Oh, me too. That's a really useful strategy, actually, because, yeah, it's that being present. It is. And, yeah, you know, I... I work four days a week now, I have one day with them and then obviously the weekend. But I remember when I first went back to work, it was three days of work and then the rest with the children. But I sometimes I wasn't there and it yeah. really frustrated me. I wanted to be there as well, but the work was still going around in my head. Yeah. Just like sometimes on a Monday morning, a nursery rhyme is still going around in my head. So it can work <laughs> the other way too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I, I do still struggle with the whole pretending I'm at home and working from home. But I'm not. So I've got offices, which works for Mm -hmm. me, because actually when I'm in the office, I can focus on the office. If I try and pretend I'm not in the office, but I'm actually working, I find then that I do myself a real disservice. And it's not it's not great. So I'll be sitting on the bed because I don't want to sit on a a, on a, um, a desk because I'm not working. But actually, I am working. So when the kids come in, they start talking to me and I'm kind of like, ah, I can't I can't focus on you because I'm doing this instead. that's when I know that I'm playing that game and it's a little bit too close. I either need to get up and go and sit next to a desk and then the kids know I'm working Mm. or I need to go into an office. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't, pretend that you're not work <laughs> yeah yeah because mm-hmm. not fair on the kids it's no not. that's right I, I tend to immerse myself in their play and actually get oh, so gosh. involved like almost treat it like it's a business exercise like we're actually mm. running a little cafe here you know for the teddies <laughs> and that really helps as yeah. well but yeah it's, it's, it's hard it's yeah. difficult as well when they get a bit older Charlotte because like the 15 year old doesn't want me in her space all of the time mm. so I feel as a parent I should be when I'm not working I should be giving her everything for her, everything is, can you just leave me alone? 
Like, can you stop following me around? There's been times I've gone into my bedroom and I'll just sit on her bed because I feel like I need to give her some time. She's like, why? <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, I'm just giving you some time. And she's like, well, thanks, but I'm doing something. So it's kind of difficult when they get a bit older because you feel like you need to give them the time. But sometimes the time that you think is the time they need is actually not what they need. It's very difficult being yeah. a parent. It's complicated, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's complicated. <laughs> at least at the moment, mine are fairly simple. You just play a game. It's a very yeah. physical game and that's it, really. <laughs> it, yeah, very interesting. But do you have any kind of coping mechanisms when times get really tough, when you're, maybe business is really stressful, perhaps your, your family being quite needy as well? What do you do? Where do you turn to? Oh, I, I think... For me, I think because we're scaling the business and we're three years into our journey, now is probably the, the the most challenging time we've ever had because the concept's proven, we've got great clients, we've got great ambassadors, we're out there, we're, we're very visual as a business. So we're getting to that point now where I can feel, the cr- not the cracks, but the creaks of you know, and the kids, you know, when, when they do get a bit older, they come with different challenges, like relationship challenges and their fitting and their meaning in life. They, mm. they can see them starting to think those things through themselves. So for me, really openly and honestly, I, I've kind of, I've, I've got a counsellor that I see a week, on a weekly basis and she helps put things into perspective for me so that I can talk to someone who isn't my family, who isn't work, where I can kind of start to try and just put everything in the right places for me so I can focus on both equally giving them what they need. Yeah. So I've kind of found my own way of dealing with that. Brilliant. Is it more a case of kind of offloading? It is. Yeah. Yeah, it's more, it's it's having someone who was paid mm-hmm. to listen to my <laughs> dramas um, to kind of help me just say it out loud and, and help put the blocks in place around where, what's the next step, what's the next focus. And because I go and see her once a week, it also helps me, it helps me kind of, put things to bed that needs to be put to bed, stop this overactive mind and overthinking things about both work and home, put those to bed so I can move on with both and do what I need to do and be more productive and useful. Yeah. So I love that idea. You know, it's something I feel that I would benefit from as well. And sometimes people think, oh, if you're seeing a counsellor or therapist, that it's a reactive thing. You know, you've got a problem, but it's more a proactive thing. Absolutely. Stopping there being any problems. Absolutely. And I think it's an investment in your Mm. well-being. And it's almost like that whole kind of on a plane, you know, you get your mask first before you can give it to someone else. Yeah. It's kind of that strategy around if you're looking after your your well-being and your mental health and making sure that you're putting everything into perspective, then you're so much more efficient and better for the people that are around you. So rather than my head feeling muddy, so to speak, I can go back with a clear head. So when I'm sitting in front of one of my children, I'm focusing on them with what their priorities are and what I need to do for the house and equally with the business. So I don't believe in stigma um, around the necessary stigma that's around counsellors or therapists. I think you do what you can do to to make sure that you're as healthy and able to deal with what what's getting thrown at you as a business owner, as a leader, as a mother, as a wife, as a sister, as a daughter. There's a lot of challenges that we get thrown at and on, on a daily basis. And I think if you can see someone who can help you just talk it out, put it into some kind of perspective, why on earth would you not if, yeah. if it would help other people? Yeah, I totally agree with you and it makes sense, but I wonder why there is still that stigma. Even still today, there yeah. is about seeing yeah. someone when it's mental health, but if you're seeing someone for physio on your leg, it's normal. Absolutely. I think it. I, I just, the stigma, it, it's just one of those things that it, it needs to change. It absolutely needs to change because everyone is talking about the need for mental health support. We're talking about it as business owners, employee assistance programs, lots of different things. And actually, if we're not taking a little bit of our own recommendation and doing something, then we're not leading in the most authentic way. And I just, yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with saying it's very noisy. Mm-hmm. And I think we mm-hmm. all know that it's noisy out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I talk about it frequently. I'm really happy to say that I've got someone who counsels me on a weekly basis. No, good for you. Yeah. And and because sometimes people might say, yeah, but I chat through in my own mind my problems. What's the difference between it, getting it out there? How does that help? Yeah, I think getting it out there, when you hear your voice saying the words, you suddenly realise actually how 
important or not how how not important it is. It, it, it kind of it, and and also that kind of gut emotion that goes with what perceived problems you've got in your head. When you release that through talking and having someone looking at you and just going, yeah, absolutely, that's fair enough. It just releases the emotion. Mm. Um, I suppose other people might like to write things down. Journaling's, Mm. I've heard journaling's quite good. I can't focus enough to write it down to make it clear. I need to be able to articulate it through verbal. So for me, this it's a way of, it's releasing it. It's almost getting it out. Mm. So it doesn't need to be in anymore. Absolutely. And a counsellor once told me that I was having problems because I wasn't letting myself feel. Yes. It, when I was going through the miscarriages, I was like, right, that's happened. Back to work. Let's crack on with work, distract myself. But it caused lots of kind of pent up emotion because I wasn't letting my yes. body feel what it needed yes. to feel. My first session with my counsellor said that I'm really good at suppressing. So I just push it down. Just keep pushing mm-hmm. it down. Yeah. And then it gets to the point where there's nothing else. To, there's no more room to keep pushing it down. So yeah. you, how are you going to let it out? And I think that's part of of being responsible and making sure that you, you're kind of, you're doing the right things is, is making sure that you deal with it before it needs to get pressed down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just get it out. And sometimes when you talk things through, they're actually not anywhere near big as what you make it in your head oh absolutely yes as an overthinker definitely uh, and me too yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant and have you noticed any like personality changes within yourself since you set up your own business compared to when you were an employee uh yeah yeah pers- yeah yeah i have I, I think i think when i was an employee i was kind of led a lot more even though i've always thought i've had entrepreneurial spirit in me I've always wanted to take ownership I've always wanted it to be mine so it doesn't matter if I had the recruitment team in a big business that I didn't have the keys for that big business that team was my little mini business mm-hmm. so I've always ran everything that I've had any say in as my own little personal thing um, however you can't get over the fact that you are led in the, like so my recruitment strategy would always tie in the people strategy that tied in the business strategy and they were someone else dictated those okay. so I was yep. always guided um, and with that employee status came certain rules and behaviours and expectations that you just have to kind of deal with and agree with. And that's why you're employed by them. And I definitely feel like having my own business has made me question what are those rules and behaviours and values and all of those sorts of things that people are going to follow me for. So I've definitely, my outlook has massively changed. I see my role as being a role model and a leader has been something that's really important and I've got to really get my ducks in a row as where I stand on things and mm-hmm. what I stand for. So there's been a lot of self-finding, exploring, yeah. you know, who am I? What's this about? What do I stand for? Why am I here? What's the purpose? What's the whole point of this whole thing? When I'm 70, what do I want people to remember me by? All of these sorts of things. Um, and for me, it's mainly around my values and what I'm prepared to flex and what I'm not prepared to negotiate with Mm. anymore and that's been something that has been quite hard hitting for me over the last couple of years yeah and what are you not prepared to negotiate so thing well things like you know respect is a a one I, I, I genuinely you know seeing the girls grow up and seeing the boys grow up Definitely, I'd probably see the girls over the boys just slightly because they're a little bit further on and they're kind of heading towards adult status mm-hmm. and, and all of this kind of self-finding things. I was finding that actually, you know, some of the people that we were around, you know, I, I, I want my children to be around people who have got respect, who look out for one another, who are trustworthy, who are loyal, who are all of those sorts of things. And I think I was kind of looking through this glass of uh, these eyes of actually suddenly the reality came to me that actually if someone isn't loyal and honest and open and trustworthy and all that sort of I don't really want my children to be in that kind of situation anymore so actually that's a non-negotiable for me I want people who are around us who are positive and forward-thinking and aspiring and all of that sort of stuff so I suppose yeah the Whereas beforehand, I maybe was a little bit more fluid with that. Yeah, and maybe we shouldn't be because it's still our minds that we're letting kind of be penetrated by negative thoughts or different yeah. values. And your different values are good, but yeah. when they really conflict um, yes. or you're not willing to negotiate, that's the problem. And yeah. in business, we're taught to cut them out. Like, have you had to do that with any friendship groups? 
Yeah, we yeah, have. Um, yeah, I've always been there. We've because we've got the biggest family. We're always the one that does all of the entertaining. Because can't really say, can you take six of us? <laughs> it feels really bad when someone's got two, and they're like, well, actually, you're like much bigger than what we are. So we always do all of the the hosting, and I actually really found that we were doing a lot of hosting for people who actually didn't really care. They were just coming just to. I don't know. I don't know why they were coming, mm. Charlotte, but it was getting to the point where actually, you know, we weren't on the same page anymore. And actually they weren't fun anymore. Those events weren't fun. We were just literally opening our doors to people that we loved and still love, but actually we were on different pages and actually seeing the interaction between the children and watching those sorts of things. I was kind of like, things have changed now for us and we're moving on. And I think there's something quite brave about being able to say, actually, I don't think we're on the same, we're not in the same zone anymore. And is that what you said? Yeah. 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 Good for you. Cause yeah. a lot of people just let it fizzle out. No, I, I'm, I'm one of these people. I'm all or nothing. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and I think that's part of just being open and honest. And I, and I, it got to the point in one particular um, get together where I was just kind of like this isn't cool anymore and actually I, I wish you the best of luck and I love you when I've got really good memories and I'm always here if you need anything but I don't think this dynamic works anymore for us Did they feel the same? Was it a shock? No I think they I think they must have, they must have felt I think Covid's got a lot to answer for and I do think owning a business and setting up a business really has got a lot to, you kind of probably are searching a lot more than other people who might be just kind of getting on with their nine to five and all that sort of stuff. And they've got busy lives too. Um, but I think you kind of owe people a little bit of honesty um, sometimes, even though it's super, super painful, mm. really painful. Yeah. But both sides, but yeah. no, I, I, there needs to be more of that honesty. Yeah. Definitely. I, I think so that people know where they stand. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. it's all about, you know, happiness, isn't it? It's about yeah. finding your happiness, finding your flock, yes. finding your people. Yeah. Um, and I think if you kind of try and hold on to something where there's just some tension there or some kind of some some rubbing against values and stuff, no one's going to be happy in those situations. And then you've just got to wish people luck. Yeah. Yeah. And you did it in such a lovely way as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Sad Brilliant. times though, but you have to keep moving. Keep moving yeah. and relationships and people change as yeah. well. And yeah, although one party changes and moves at a different rate to another, it's yeah. fact of life. But yeah, yeah, but interesting. We don't talk about that side enough. It's either like the emo- the kind of relationship with whoever you you live with, rather than your friends sometimes. Or yeah, yeah. you get to different milestones. It's almost like you get to different milestones when you grow in a business. And I do think that it's 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 human nature. It's mm-hmm. human nature to then well, what is the next stage? Should mm-hmm. it be up? Should it be down? Should it be sideways? Whatever that looks like. And I think relationships need to be nurtured and they need to be looked after. And I think if there is something there that isn't working in that relationship, regardless of what that relationship is, I think you owe it to be a bit honest or mm. you end up carrying a lot more negativity than you, than you need to. There's just not room mm. in my life for negativity. No. I haven't got any space for it. No, no, I totally agree. And so what kind of, we've talked about your values and your purpose. What actually motivates you? It's it's making a difference. And I know it sounds really cheesy and, you know, everyone will say it, but genuinely, like, for me, it's about legacy. It's about leaving something behind. Like, I don't want to just be one of these. I just, I just don't, don't want to come in and achieve nothing. And I don't mean that as in, I mean, I've brought children into the world. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing children up. I'm definitely a contributor to society. I love our local community. You know, I definitely think I am. I am given something. But for me, I, I want to leave something that in years to come, people can look back and say that I did something that made a difference. Um so that that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. It's it's leading. It's 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 changing. It's disrupting. It's making people think a bit more differently. It's it's all those sort of things. No, I, I love it. And and often at the minute, hard work gets a bit of a bad reputation. Like, oh, you shouldn't be working hard. But from my experience, it's hard work that actually leads to you achieving your mission, your purpose. How do you feel about hard work? I agree with you. So I, I don't think you can get to a stage of whatever that aha moment is unless you do the hard work. I, I just genuinely don't. And 
I know people say, you know, don't celebrate the long hours, don't celebrate working in the evening or working on the weekends and stuff. There's no, there's no, there's nothing to brag about. And I totally get that. However, I don't know how you can grow something from very, the very beginning without having to put in the extra hours and the work and the, and actually, you know, putting all that in makes it more fruitful in the longer term. I feel like you, you need to, I want to. Yeah, that's, that's maybe. And then I question it because um, maybe it's just the way I've been brought up. You know, if you want something in life, you work hard, you can yeah. get it. And then the first time I experienced the opposite of that is trying to have children. So, you know, working hard, however you want to define that. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> having lots of sex or stay out. <laughs> that wasn't working for us. It was There was clearly something wrong. And, and then I needed to stay calm, whereas I wanted to be more focused because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what was going to get the results. You know, I was taught you work hard in life, you get what you want. Kind of having children in golf, I found. <laughs> I don't play golf anymore, but the harder I tried it, the worse I got. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel like I, maybe I need to work a bit smarter. There still needs to be that hard yeah. Absolutely. but with that kind of smart intelligence to it rather than just burning out so yes. quite often in life I'll be so driven I'll go through a reset mode like, right what am I doing next kind of like where I'm at at the minute get a new vision get a new purpose work just so hard work myself into the ground burn out and then the cycle all starts again have you ever burnt out yeah yeah I do I think Firstly, I would I'd probably say the word burnt out is used a lot, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like some of the some of the conversations we have regularly is is when people do feel like they are getting burnt out. And I do think to get to that stage, there is there are physical symptoms and stuff that are like losing friends, you know, not sleeping. There is there is a technical term for burnt out and people mm-hmm. do band it around quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I do genuinely think that I was burnt out with my corporate career because I felt things like my um my physical well-being had totally gone. Yeah. Um I had no boundaries between work and home. I had lost perspective. I wasn't around for my family. Um I was eating crazy silly food. I was it was it everything had completely lost its mm-hmm. its its life. It was just it kind of all it all felt a little bit empty. I yeah. And and definitely the thing that woke me up from the fact that I was on the road all of the time, away from my family, travelling to different places. I was burning the candle at both ends. I was in a lot of um, evening do's and ceremonies. And although people think that's glitz and glamour, it's not. After yeah. a while, staying in hotel rooms, eating the rubbish foods. So it's like all of those sorts of things ended up where I got really poorly Um and I actually started to faint quite a lot. And I, and there were some symptoms that I noticed physically about myself that made me stop, that actually made me realise, actually, I'm either really poorly here physically or I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. It's one of the two. And fortunately, is it fortunately, it turned out to be more of a physical problem where I've got a thyroid problem. Oh, really? Yeah, I've got under underactive thyroid, which was making my body slow down. But my brain was still working at 100 miles an hour, but I couldn't process words. I couldn't keep up. I didn't have the energy levels. I'd get home after a full day's work, um, a full week's worth of work, and I would try and get the girls to get into bed with me for the weekend because I couldn't physically get out of bed at the weekends because I was so tired. Um, but genuinely, Charlotte, there was a part of me where I actually thought I, I'm, I've i lost it. And I remember ringing my best friend up and saying, something's happening to me and I'm not sure what it is, but I can't go to work today, which is unlike me, but I think I'm having a nervous breakdown. Um, horrific times. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It's taken too lightly. Yeah. It's really serious when it happens. I can relate to all those symptoms you've talked about. And just, I remember as well, like, trying to make simple decisions in my personal life, like which coffee shop to go to. And I just couldn't decide. And I just wander around town aimlessly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, yeah, very, quite sad. It is sad. (laughs) I remember getting my hair done in the hairdressers and I can remember the tears just rolling down my face. Mm. And she was like, are you okay? And I was kind of like, I think I am. I don't You don't know. know. Yeah. Tingling in my hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like tongue, lips. It was like, it, it was, it was so bizarre. So bizarre. Yeah. And so how do you manage your energy levels knowing you've got that physical condition? Uh, I, st- I probably have still got more to learn because um, I still run th- into things 100%. Yeah, asking but, for a friend. 
Well, I'm not sure I'm the right person to ask. <laughs> but I suppose you, you, you have people around you who mm. c- who look out for you. At that time, that one that was probably one of the saddest times, actually, because after I was diagnosed with having the thyroid issue, I remember I had to have three months off. I was I was I was absolute I was exhausted um I was put on a drip I was I was completely it was game over um and I had to build myself back up and I remember going back into work and speaking to people who were around me and I was like I've been really poorly for a long time because I'd left it too long yeah so I was starting to get some of the symptoms like fainting like complete brain fog and things that I could have probably sorted out if I'd listened to it sooner um and I remember telling these people, like, oh, this is the issue, this is what happened, this is when it was really bad, when I came to terms with what had happened. And lots of people were like, yeah, I remember. I remember when you were in that meeting and you said that. And I, and I was like, why couldn't you have said something then? Like, it's a, uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. People waited until mm-hmm. afterwards to say, oh, actually, I realised that you probably weren't right when you were down doing this, but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to upset you. And you're like... Please. So I think for me, it's like if anyone around me says anything where it's just not right, just be kind, to be cruel, to be kind and point it out because you might actually just save someone from another few months of um, heartache. Definitely. But it's hard, isn't it? Because people are seen or told all the time now, stay out of my business. It's none Mm -hmm. of your business. You know, it's, it's intrusive and all these things. And sometimes you just don't know what to say for the best. well, definitely being someone who who kind of battled through it until the point where my body said, that's enough. Yeah. Mm. I would thank anyone to do that and call it out a lot sooner. Yeah, you've got to listen to your body. I mean, you've just talked yeah. about right now, this is my second infection in like two weeks, second course of antibiotics. So I'm clearly working too hard. You know, again, this is my problem. I We did that scale up course and you yeah. want to just go all guns blazing into it. But it's actually, like, no, you've got to listen to your body. Yeah, you've got to be um, kind to yourself. Yeah. You absolutely do. Again, it's that whole mask thing. You mm-hmm. can't actually fuel your business and you can't fuel your family if you're not looking after yourself. Yeah. But it's easier said than done. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things where if you surround yourself with the right people, people can just keep a little watch on you. Yeah. Just make sure. No, you're right. And I never mind being told things. I think it's actually kind for someone to tell you something that's quite cruel because it's helping you in the future. Um, And if it's, you know, not helping, you still thank them. And if you're a bit offended, so what? You know, just move on with your life. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Brilliant. So we are towards the end of the interview. Are there any questions from the original list that you'd like to answer as the last one? Um, Charlotte, I'm not sure. I feel as if I've been super honest. (laughs) You've been amazing. We'll we'll move on to the regular 10 questions then, if that's okay. Okay, I wish I'd I'd thought of a question now. (laughs) (laughs) It would have still happened. Um, Okay, this is where we ask on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. How you rate yourself a series of things. Okay. It's all in good humour, you. How good looking are you? <laughs> Do you know when I read that one, I was like, you can't polish a turd. <laughs> no, no. Do you know what? I think I try. I think I try. So let's, let's, oh, I'm going to be one of these people that sit on the fence, aren't I? I well, you can. We'll, we'll, we'll say... Uh, we'll say we'll say a six because I do try. Well, it's all about you and your perception. And there we go. Yeah. Okay, let's pass that one. A lot of people would probably disagree, but you know that's uh, yeah in in the positive way. <laughs> 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 How funny do you think you are? Um, I don't think I'm very funny, but I do think I appreciate a good joke. I apparently Maddie, my 15 year old, says that she knows what her first tattoo is going to be, and it's going to be my laugh. How you can get the sound bars of of oh. noises. She wants my because she said she could pick me out in a crowd because I'm always laughing and I've got a, a I've got a laugh that apparently stands out. So I don't think I am the joke teller, but I definitely think I'm right in there appreciating a good joke. So the question: How funny am I? I'm probably about a two or a three, but I'm well in for I'm well in for a good laugh. Oh, Absolutely. I love that. And how good at cooking do you think you are? Oh, I wish I was. Do you know what? If I had more time, cooking would be the thing that I would like. I think that's where my creativity could come into play. Okay. But by the time I get through the door on an evening, Paul's already cooked, so I never get that joy, that enjoyment of doing it. That would bring me joy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'd probably like it for a little while. Um, So I, I think I'm probably a little bit more experimental than Paul is. 
bless Paul because he does do all the cooking so please same does Chris yeah yeah Yeah, Um, very grateful (laughs) yeah very grateful I don't want to say that but um, I'm probably I'm probably a six excellent how good at singing do you think you are I'm rubbish I'm rubbish but I love it I love music and everything is about music for me. Like first thing in the morning, I get up, I put the Alexas on in the rooms mm-hmm. that the kids are going to go into and it's got the music playing. I do believe in that. And I don't mind at all singing top of my lungs in a car full of kids. Kids just like, oh my God. <laughs> um, but I'm rubbish. So I would say I was a two. <laughs> okay. What's your tolerance to alcohol like? You mentioned uh, a lot of red wine back in the yeah, day. Yeah, a lot of red wine. I um I enjoy one of my pastimes is eating good food and drinking nice wines. I, I like it. I couldn't tell you what the wines are, but I, I appreciate a good bottle of wine. Um, my tolerance to drinking is, is I'm, I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might score the higher um, end of that. So I'm going to give my seven, myself a seven for, for my tolerance to alcohol. Great. Um, <laughs> how about parenting skills? Oosh. It's contentious, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Do you know what, genuinely, do you know when we're talking about the, the one, how would you rate yourself looks-wise? I think it's the, the same sort of thing. I think you'd always beat yourself up, wouldn't you? You'd I'd definitely But go. we shouldn't, should you we? You shouldn't. It's hard. It's hard. Be- yeah. It's a real tough one because it's about the time. There's lots of factors that come into play. But genuinely, I believe everything that I do has the right intentions and there is not one day or half a day or one interaction I don't think about with my children. So I'm going to, I'm going to come out. Do you know what? I'm going to say I'm, I'm about, I'm about a seven or an eight. I try really bloody hard. (laughs) And friendship. How good at friends, how good at friends are you? That's a rubbish way of putting it, but how good a friend are you? Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people who I'm all in or I'm not in at all. And hence the reason when we start talking about conflict of values and stuff and friendships and moving on. Um, if, if I if I believe I I will I I will give the coat off my back, I will look after someone, I will I'm very committed. I I really think about people and other people. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to think I'm a I'm a good friend. Um but I can also be quite ruthless when it doesn't work as well. Yeah. So I suppose, yeah, I can be a good friend. Do you need a do you need a I number? I need a number, yeah. Ah. Um <laughs> I think I'm a six. I wish I had more time, to be honest. Yeah. I can't. I think it's about nurturing relationships. And because my life is so busy, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of tamper, like go in and just kind of play at it. I feel like friendships and relationships are something that needs to be wholehearted. Mm. So I don't dabble in friendships. You either have me wholeheartedly or I'm kind of just, I kind of pardon myself from it and move away from it. I like that though. I respect that. How intelligent are you? talked about intelligence earlier didn't we yes um there's different levels of intelligence i don't i i don't think i am the sharpest tool in the box i surround myself with those people um what i do think i'm intelligent the intelligence i do think i have i've got good emotional intelligence i know what's going on i can read a room i can build relationships and i can build connections I can see the f- see the future. Sound like Ooh. Mystic Meg. <laughs> I can I can anticipate what's coming. I can shield people. I can protect people. I can lead academics. I did well at school. I was always in top sets, but I was always really sporty, um, and I was probably the one that was holding on to those top sets by my fingertips. I don't profess myself to be massively academic, but I've got great people around me who are um, other strengths. So I would say. I was, I was, say I was five. I've got a degree. I've, you know, lots of people have degrees, don't they? <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I think you're being harsh, but it's not me. It's not me scoring. Um, kindness. Do you know, I, I do think I'm kind. I do. I, I think I am the sort of person that if I saw someone struggling, I make a massive conscious effort every day when I'm walking past people to smile. Just the, the the kindness of a smile, I think, is super important. So the other day, for example, I finished a client meeting, parked my car, walked into the offices. I smiled at every person I saw who I caught eyes with. And I just thought, oh, I'm doing my, this is a good thing to do. Just spread a little bit of joy. Just make people see that I can see them. Got in the office full of myself, like, yes, I've been smiling at all these people. And then realised I'd left my laptop in the car. <laughs> Go back down, go and get my laptop out of the car and then smile at everyone walking back in. 
<laughs> so I think I'm quite kind. I think I'm about neat. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> and the last one, which everyone loves, is how good at sex are you? <laughs> I just can't, I can't get my head around this question. Um, <laughs> but one of our guests did put it like quite, because I was always a little bit um, nervous about asking the question, but then one of my guests like, why? It's just something that everyone does. Yeah. It's a part of everyday activity. It's quite an important part. It is. Why do we find it so hard to score ourselves on that one? Yeah. I I, I really don't know, Charlotte, but I'm not, <laughs> not that doesn't help me at all. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Um, you can you push just me. pick a number. Should I just pick a number? I'm going to go with a five. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> Sam, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Thank you very much, Sam. It's been amazing. Thank you. Hi, it's Ryan from Harvey and Hugo, and I am the videographer here. So are you looking for a new way to stand out in today's crowded digital landscape? Well, look no further than podcasting. Here at Harvey and Hugo, we specialise in creating and producing high-quality podcasts that engage and inspire audiences. And with our comprehensive production services, we'll take care of all the technical details from the recording and the editing to the distribution and the promotion. With millions of listeners tuning in every day, it's the perfect time to start connecting with them on a deeper level. Let Harvey and Hugo help you unlock the power of podcasting and take your message to the next level.